Welcome to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, today we're on a topic I've been waiting for, actually. I know, you're so excited. I am. Mm -hmm. There were exclamation points in my text that I sent (laughs) to you. I wanted to talk about fruit. Fruit. Say it, Tony. I love fruit. (laughs) I love fruit. Well, it's bountiful right now. It's great. I'm, you know, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. I'm reminded every day that fruit is like the highlight of your day. Oh, that's nice. It is. Good. It is. It's fun to eat. It needs to be. And it's fun to eat. It has natural sugars. You also get their feelings about it. Well, they're... They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're probably not eating a lot of candy. They're, they're literally a whole... No, I imagine, no. right? So L- at least they get there, it in, here uh, and there, but some, some uh, fruit. Yeah, well... But they also get the fiber with that. Sure, yeah. You know, that... Vitamin they, C. There are many benefits. I was talking to... Uh, a registered dietitian the other day and going through a bunch of different dietary requirements mm-hmm. and I realized, you know, there's there's like a divide. Kids are supposed to be eating fruit all the time. Like parents keep giving their kids fruit, right? Okay, good. But often I think that adults just don't. Oh, okay. They don't or they skip or it's a, it's a leftover... You know, like a hangover from the Atkins diet fad or something like that, where fruit was verboten, you know? Okay. So I, I think some of that is there. And I've also noticed just like I like we talk about a lot of American food, European food. That's a lot of our background. A lot of other cuisines, fruit is worked into savory cooking yes, much as more well. So. Much, much more, more so, so than ours, for sure. Although much that is something so. that's changed in our cooking, I'd say, over the last 10, 20 years. It, it's changed some. I mean, <laughs> that it's funny. We even tell ourselves, we even act like tomatoes are vegetables. Right. For the sake of our <laughs> own divide between vegetables and fruit. And it's not. And that's Surprise. why tomatoes like if peaches has, so much. If they do. Though, I, it's funny. And plums. I, I recall. Okay. So let's... Talk about a tomato associations, right? Okay. And we, we want to, I know you have Elephant. recipes and, <laughs> wow, that's a large tomato. <laughs> uh, I recall, I don't know, a decade ago more. Yes. I made a salad for you. Like once in a while I'm compelled to do whatever. I'm like, I want you to try this, right, mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And I made a salad for you with the heirloom variety of tomatoes and two kinds of watermelon of that very good farmer that we get stuff from. Right. And I just, I watched you sit there and oh, go. Oh, so good. <laughs> exactly. That's the sound of your mind blowing, oh, I def- right? I definitely never had tomato and watermelon together before. And Certainly didn't grow up eating it that and, way. But but think about it now. It's it's much, 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 much more, common. more common. Sure, absolutely. And it's one of those things that, like going to the south of Italy, and you met uh, my friend Roberto Perroni, right? Of course. But going through some restaurants with him over the years, you know, started oh, the south of Italy they start to they start to fool around with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was prickly pear with uh, tuna tartare in one of the restaurants on a menu. I'm like that mm-hmm. with a little with a little zippy Calabrian chili or something that that's fun. There's there's some real interest there. So I think that we we have this adult and child divide. Mm-hmm. That 
I'm going to be proselytizing about fruit for the next five minutes. Sorry, <laughs> okay. people. And so we have that divide. We have the sweet and savory divide, right? And we feel guilty actually having fruit in things. Shouldn't. Yeah. No, no, no. It's good we, for you unless we, you're diabetic or have a dietary in, issue. In talking with the dietician, it was, you know, the the quantity of food that you eat, at least half of it should be fruits and vegetables. For this, I mean that. There you go. Ta-da. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to talk about in, in a in a very straightforward way. That's. You know, when you talked about the watermelon thing, I think it was around that time that I started doing, we opened for lunch for a short period of time. I made rockfish ceviche, but I tossed the chopped, we, instead of doing, we were, but prior to that, we were doing slices of the, of the rockfish and putting the ceviche marinade on to order. We chopped it, tossed it to order, and then we put a, we molded it and put a whole layer of chopped watermelon on top. So it was definitely around that time that you did that salad, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I would never have thought to put chopped watermelon on top of raw fish. I mean, that's just, yeah. And so it, well, that, I mean, perfect cook, for each other. You, you should be playing when you're cooking. I mean, that's, you know, it's like you you look, what do we have? What's nice at market? Of course. Yeah. You know me, I won't go, I won't go shopping with a recipe. I go looking to see what's good. Right, right. And then you figure out that, what you're going to cook. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, for that, home, for sure. Yeah. You can do that. No, exactly. That's... The thing that um, oh, the the other part two of my proselytizing is about the seasons and fruit. You know, we we expect to see strawberries all the time in the grocery store, right? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. But th- there is a period when they're unlike any other time of the year when you can get local strawberries. Why not just eat the bejesus out of those local strawberries when they're available? That's how I and grew cook up. with them, and right. I yeah, mean, that's that's exactly how exactly. I, grew up. I mean, that's that's how I did. But it's it's funny the the availability and the well, figuring out how to get. Well, this is popular now, so we can sell more. So and there's demand. You know, so People want it. So yeah. of course the groceries are going to have it. But we all know that those June strawberries in most regions. Uh, they, those are the very, very, very best, maybe May, depending on how hot it is and what's going on. And they're going to be, as you pointed out years ago, they're colored all the way through. Well, they, they're, they're not white in the center. And well, the, and just talking with like the one berry farmer that, in Virginia that we work with a lot, I know a whole lot more about different varieties that they grow for different parts of the season so they can stretch their season. So you can get things from them from close to the – Usually, the second by Mother's Day, you often have really perfumey, beautiful, deeply colored strawberries. Once we get into the warmer weather, let's say it's the last week of June, they'll still have them. The first week of July, they'll still have them. But by the time they get there, there's six varieties in. Got it. And by the time they get to that last one, they're much more lightly colored. Mm-hmm. In the interior, you mean like six growing seeds deep seed on times? the outside, yeah. And and okay. the seeds, this is very nerdy. And the seeds have a very different sort of shape to them. It's right. Well, I grew when I had my farm. I uh, that was the first thing I planted was strawberries, and I had no idea they were a vine because I knew nothing about what I was doing, pretty much. And I mean, I couldn't believe how they grew in that one bed because I had zucchini at one end and I had the strawberries at the other. Oh, those are two monster oh, plants. Yeah, that did not work <laughs> out too well. I learned a lot that first year. So well, I will always learn. All right, a lot so from go. That. So so go. Strawberries and zucchini in dish. Let's hear it. Strawberries and zucchini. If it oh. grows together, it goes together, right? right? Okay, all right. So hmm. that's that. that with, that's an ethic we talk about a lot. Okay. If it grows together, it goes together. Yeah, f- I would say, uh, you know, a great 
salad because one of my favorite things to do with zucchini right off the plant is to slice it raw. And if you had a few, you know, put extra so like virgin. So like a carpaccio or something. Mm-hmm, exactly. Super thin, paper thin, not paper thin, but close to it. Do it on a mandolin and um, hit it with extra virgin salt and pepper and a little bit of fresh lime juice, which strawberries also just strawberries and blueberries love lime juice and um, hit it with that and do slices of strawberry or you could dice a strawberry and lay it out all over and a little bit of goat cheese or uh, some sort of a sweet cow's milk piece would be really good on there that would be a lot of fun and then it's all fresh and as healthy as it could possibly be because nothing's cooked Mm. well strawberries you know are a citrus fruit so like sometimes people will make zucchini carpaccio and you want to use citrus you are using citrus Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's perfect. You know, or you could even do something where you've uh, done maybe a piece of uh, of bird or something, a bird like a quail or something, and you've grilled the zucchini. Like we do thin ribbons, we uh, do long thin slices, uh, grill them, roll them up, and play them, put them on the plate with extra virgin and salt and pepper, and then you could make a little compote with the strawberry. Oh my gosh, that would be so good for the quail. The zucchini would like it. Um, you know, you could just quickly cook down the strawberry with a little bit of sugar and a tiny bit of some form of acid. It could be red wine, it could be port, or it could be uh, fresh lime juice again, just a little bit and a little bit of water and let it cook down and, and have that as a little compote on the plate. That would also be great with um, any bird, really, or lamb. Be fun with lamb. What would you do with strawberries, Tony? Stra- well, I like pickled strawberries. Mm, okay. You know, <laughs> and even like slightly like pick them early, slightly green pickled strawberries and even a tiny little bit spicy. And those are those are fun to have. You want to have a PB and J that's going to light you up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That will get your full attention. That if you like, it's a big, strong, dark beer that you want. That kind of thing. One with your PB and J. Yeah. What? <laughs> I didn't say it was happening at like nine o'clock in the morning. I thought you were making it for children. All right. I, sometimes I am. Sometimes <laughs> I'm not. We all know all right. I act like a big child anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's literally first thing that popped in my head. I like them for lots of things. I mean, that you said the making a bruschetta, mm. you know, mm-hmm. grill the grill the, the baguette or the the crusty bread, um, nice oil, but a lighter, extra virgin, uh, like tajaske or a provencal oil, mm-hmm. um, just a little bit of that, and strawberries, if they've gotten a little bit of smoke, like in a perforated basket or something above the grill, okay, just take on a little bit. It's kind of nice. Um, sliced covering that, a little bit of the ghost cheese you talked about, or fresh ricotta, oh. or fresh ricotta mixed with a tiny little bit of balsamico. Fresh ricotta, yes. You know, that's that's great. That'd be great. There's all, there's all. I mean, a, a salad that you see in that strawberry season uh, in uh, the Veneto a bit, uh, arug- like young arugula, like small but still mm-hmm. spicy arugula. With lots of strawberries and balsamico and, a, so and a little reggiano. Yeah, I was going to say reggiano. It's great. That would be delicious. It's Some great. pepper. Uh, the other, I grow lemon verbena, so the other day I made a fresh a granita and um, with the, the verbena, and I was just thinking as you were talking, oh, my gosh, it would be so good with a little bit of strawberry in there, too. I could You could just puree it in the blender and add it to that uh, that mixture, but lemon verbena and strawberry, but that would be so good together. I've never paired the two together. But uh, it's so fun to make a granita like that, too, where you just, you know, you just put it in the freezer in a long uh, pan and nice and thin and you, you know, a thin quantity of it covering a large space and you just keep scraping it. That's really all you do. Water, sugar. Is, any of the berry recipes you want to share? Mm, 
Well, Clafuti is one of my favorites. So, uh, you know, it's it's the nice thing about making clafuti is it's a little bit like making a cake batter in a bowl. You don't even have to get out a mixer. It's so easy to make. And it just you can sort of use any any fruit, but berries are just really wonderful in a clafuti. Uh, it's a traditional French dessert. And, you know, I can, we can put the recipe up, but it's basically sugar flour, a little bit of baking soda, baking powder and, you know, salt, eggs, milk and melted butter. And it's just it's it's really and you put the fruit like if you have gratin dishes those are perfect um you could always do it in a large casserole dish and just put the fruit in the bottom let's say it's raspberries and blackberries and um you could even add alcohol to the mixture a tiny bit maybe like a little cognac in there but if you want to just keep it simple you just put the fruit in the bottom pour the batter over the top and bake it i mean it's you bake it at a high temperature 400 degrees for about 25 minutes it's always good to it's butter good. and sugar your mold first that's super important to that procedure it's a bit of a it's almost like a a pancake yeah you know that the batter is almost like a pancake and it cooks almost like a pancake where it's, it browns pretty quickly but it stays a little bit under inside yeah and when you see it lift then then stop it. Yeah, you're moving in the right direction yeah. for sure. Yeah, it should be golden on top for sure. And that's why the 400 degree oven. And don't do a convected oven. You want a still oven for that. But yeah, I love clafuti. And it's also just a great utilizer. Maybe, you know, if if you're not making preserves or, you know, doing or making, um, uh, uh, you know, a some sort of cooked mixture where you can use fruit that's taken, uh, gone a little bit too far, bruised, well then clafuti is also, you know, it can be uh, an outlet for that. Maybe you have some peaches or plums or something that you'd like to just chop up and, you know, obviously you don't want something as bad, but if it's just not perfect, um, you know, we need to serve sliced fruit that's perfect uh, or, or cut up fruit that's perfect. So this is a good utilizer for things. And this recipe for clafuti, we are going to put up on the website. So if you have an interest in making it, you can look it up there and give it a try. Yeah, clafuti is a good vehicle, for sure. Well, and you, and you alluded to a pancake, and I was also going to talk about crepes, which are so much fun to make. Have you ever done that with your kids at home, made crepes with them? I think that would just be so they're, much fun to teach kids. They're beginning to learn knife things. They're not on fire yet. Okay. Cra for crepes? Yeah. Okay, so... Um, not tall enough, really, to be at a range. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Well, if they are, or if you are, they eventually will. <laughs> people be. that are listening, if you're tall enough to cook <laughs> on your stove, um, yeah. I mean, a crepe is just such a fun thing. You need a great pan, um, and it doesn't have to be an expensive pan. It can either be a coated pan or it can be a steel pan, which are perfect for it. Um, uh, I have a copper crepe pan, which of course is quite expensive, but I will use it for the rest of my life. So all good. Um, and I've used it a lot because I, I love crepes and I've taken it to the restaurant and used it before too. Um, but yeah, it's sort of fun to just roll that thin batter around in that pan and, you know, it happens so quickly. It's fun to pull it up, tip, tip it over, you know, turn it over, however you want to do it. And um, crepes are a great utilizer. I mean, there's so many things you can do with crepes. You can do a savory dish or a sweet one. When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, it's going to be a little more focus on fruit. <laughs> on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking all about, fruit, you want me to fruit, say it that fruit, way? Fruit, fruit, yes. Fruit, yeah. 
So every Italian winemaker that you ever talk to talks about the ripening of the fruit. Of course. And well, it is something that my chief sommelier that I work with, she and I are always, <laughs> there's always a little tiny chortle from her in the background. You, you know, <laughs> Yes, phonetically, that is the way it's spelled. You were right. That's right. That's <laughs> And Italian works that way. Mm. Um, so we spent some time on berries. Yeah. Yummy. Let's talk about vehicles for using fruit in cooking. Okay. Seriously. Well, the moment think you said vehicles, all, you knew what about, came to my mind. Uh, it, no, you, it's not time. We're for, not going to start talking about cars. To talk about Ferraris or something. <laughs> no. That would be a new topic for yeah. Foreman and Wolf on Food. Yeah, if, if you drive by in a Ferrari, <laughs> I will throw peaches at you. Let's I will not ever way. drive by you in a Ferrari, I promise. That'd be great. Unfortunately. Sadly so, enough. <laughs> that's, that's probably safer for the city. So, <laughs> so the vehicle I'm proposing is cured meat. There are a mm. million different kinds of cured meat that want that sweetness, the acid, that pop, the contrast that comes. You know, it can be very, very simple. And and we're in prime melon season right now. Oh, yeah, mm, okay. So good. Mm-hmm. And how many wonderful melons that are you know that are ripe? If you want to know how to test a melon for ripeness, just tap on it. The one with the deepest pitch. Is going to be the one that has the most the most liquid that's going to equate to the sugar. So you have singing you know? melons that you work with. You can arrange them by pitch if you want to. <laughs> Do not think that my eight year old violinist has not done that before. <laughs> <laughs> She's like that cantaloupe's a B. All right, okay. <laughs> so, um, but what, a good what, what do you think about? Yeah, but it can mm. be cantaloupe. And nice Parma ham, nice prosciutto. Well, I think, you know, that comes back to your original conversation, which is, I mean, isn't that for a lot of us in this country, our, one of our first experiences having fruit? As and part is of savory, savory cooking, yeah. Yeah, is, is that, that trend that was out in whatever time period it was with, with uh, prosciutto and melon as a, as a first course. I mean, that would seem very exotic. And, of course, it's incredible and yeah, I mean, very it's, commonplace it, it's in Italy. It's a classic, yeah. I mean, that, mm-hmm. but that, that, that just idea of, Salty, fatty, strong flavor that's counteracted with the intensity and sweetness of the fruit and the acid that wants the salt. You know, that they, 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 they balance each other. They're happy together. Well, very simply, when I was a child, I remember my mom and dad putting salt and pepper on their cantaloupe at the table. And I would be like, <laughs> what are they doing? And they always did that with their melon. Very old-fashioned, I think, and very probably Pennsylvania, you know, Dutch-oriented. But, you know, hey, I mean, that, that, that tells you right there that people want the contrast. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we used to do a salad with Rosette, Rosette de Lyon and uh, peaches. And I would love to see that with melon. So, you know, with cantaloupe, maybe a Crenshaw, you know, maybe a couple of different types of melon on the plate. So different types of different types of Italian salami mm-hmm. can do incredibly well with different things. Usually, the spicier or stronger it is, the sweeter the fruit wants to be. Right. So something more delicate, like um, a prosciutto. Yeah. You know, especially one of the more mature ones. I mean, you're growing something right in your yard. That's one of the best two, oh. three things you could possibly put with it. Yeah, I can't wait. I have a fig uh, tree that started off three years ago as a tiny, tiny little thing, and it's way above my head now. It's probably nine, ten feet high. So I, I cannot believe, and I even had to move it at some point from up up in the top of my yard down to closer down to my house. I thought it would die, and it is just flourishing, and it must have 
I bet it has like 100 pieces of fig on there growing right now. I'm so excited. So, you I know, am so excited to drive by and take them. No, when you're, you're not. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Thank God it's I close to things. the house. I'm sure I have a. Anyway. But well, I it's, have a flashlight. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it has a bunch of fruit. And, you know, they're the little green figs. And um, I've gotten a couple off in the past. It's never produced, obviously, it's never produced this many. I mean, it's just huge now. Um, and, um, you know, if, the, if I can get to it before the squirrels, before they ripen up, it'll be really nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that would be incredible with uh, some prosciutto, um, you know, and. A little bit of even mozzarella on the plate would be great. Um, be just delicious, you know, or a little melted goat cheese, medallion of warm goat cheese. But yeah, I like the idea of mozzarella and prosciutto and figs together. There is a, a, a bruschetta, such an easy vehicle. There's traditional bruschetta that you see in Calabria that's figs and chilies. Okay. Which is delightful and will get your full attention. What kind of chilies? <laughs> Calabrian chilies. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, they're like, you know, that smoky. Mm, that sounds yeah, there's almost There's always like a mineral tone to that particular chili that's unlike anything else. I need to get some of those. That you do. That sounds really good. Calabrian yeah. chilies. Yeah, they're pretty wonderful. It's So there is a product, uh, if you want preserved ones, they're not expensive. They're very easy to get. You just like order them online. It's called Tutto Calabria, and they'll, they have them as whole chilies in oil. They have them in vinegar. They have them uh, where it's just done as like a relish. That's great. Um, without sugar, without, you know, any – it's 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 really very nice. You can also get the dried guys, which can be terrific. I also like the idea of lobster and figs together. I think that, that could be really beautiful and maybe a little bit of other fruit on fruit on the plate – with it. Oh, you're reminding me. I I just love the idea of lobster and figs. One of the first really remarkable Nouvelle Cuisine dishes I ever had. <laughs> Long time ago, um, in the Bellevue Hotel in Philadelphia, when I first moved to Philly, when I was first going to hotel school, there was a very fancy French restaurant on the like the top level of this hotel. And the, the dish that I had was a lobster salad with clementines. Mm-hmm. and fresh basil that was just like I can absolutely smell that so just aromatically was spectacular and each bite was perfect of of that and it was all of these tiny basil leaves mm, sounds good that was yeah that was marvelous it's funny how this stuff just kind of yeah and that was a long time ago are, Thank you very much. You're it welcome. was a long time well, ago. Well, I'm just saying, you have a good memory, <laughs> and it is funny how food memories stay with us. I mean, we can all smell things from our childhood, no matter how many years ago that was, and, you know, things that really affect us, we, we just remember them. On the whole preservation thing, you're the foie gras girl. I am. Cold foie gras uh. with some kind of, like, perfect fruit, a beautiful slice of peach, you know, a, a, a spiced roasted plum, mm-hmm. you know, a little conserve. I like the, I love the dragon heart plums so much that we get. Those are so good. Just dates. Oh, well, I love dates. Oh, I my mean, goodness. You, yeah. You want, you want the all-time best little canapé to me that I've ever had with foie gras? Brioche, little tiny rounds. Mm-hmm. Tiny little round of uh, foie gras torchon and a little piece of date on that guy. Simple, good, perfect, delicious. Yeah. Well, that's Foolishly tasty. 
brioche is a great vehicle for a lot of things too. But it's so it, neutral, you, crunchy. Any any preserved meat. I mean, it's really not that hard to calabrese. We're talking about calabria, calabrese sausage, salami, right? That has the chili pepper already in it. You want sweeter. That's that's your donut peach. You know, that's that really sweet, almost sticky. Oh, those things are amazing. Yeah. They're kind of hard to work but, with from a restaurant standpoint in a way just because their shape is so weird. But, yeah, I mean, well, it's just hard to make them look beautiful. Yeah, I have a five-year-old that will eat six of them in about 20 <laughs> seconds <laughs> that, and, and thinks that they're beautiful. They are beautiful. <laughs> they're fun. It's cool that they're shaped like that. But, yeah, they are, they are definitely the sweetest of all the peaches. The white peaches are just like nectar of the gods. I love the white peaches so well, much. They, they can get really perfumey. When you get the big snow whites, mm-hmm. when that varietal comes. Well, and, you know, talk about preserved, uh, you know, with, with foie gras or say you have the torchon, which, you know, is when you clean the foie gras and roll it in a torchon means dish towel in French and you poach it for about a minute and a half in some sort of liquid. It could be sweet wine. It could be water. It could be chicken stock, whatever. It could be truffle broth. Um, and then you tight, you re-roll it and you hang it in the refrigerator. Uh, and then you're, once it's cold again, then you're able to slice it. Um, yeah, some of the a compote of the different figs, um, different figs and different plums, I think would be incredible. But also you can also introduce some sort of gloss, like a, a stock reduction that you add a little bit of gelatin to so that you have contrast on the plate. Um, so that, And you could also add another um, jelly or gelée gelée, uh, of of an alcohol like port with gelatin in it, you know, and then you have the fruit, you have the sort of earthiness of the stock gelée and you have the alcohol and the brightness of the alcohol and the acidity of the alcohol and sweetness, especially if it's port. Um, Those, all those things together and like a tiny bite of a little bit of that on a little toast with uh, foie gras torchon would be, I had something very similar to that at Michel Garrard's in the southern part of France. Really amazing. I'm going to back you up to the figs that I'm going to steal out of your yard <laughs> and put with uh, the Parma ham. That with a cold glass of champagne, especially a relatively fat Pinot-driven style, you know, from Bouzy, uh, La Salle, or something like that. That's a happy time. Yeah. If you want an excuse to drink really cold champagne in the middle of the summertime. There it is. Go, go steal some figs from Cindy's house. Please don't. Thin slices of Parma ham, and that, and that. You'll save money on the figs, so buy better champagne. You know, when we get those methylly plums, the red flesh plums <laughs> yeah. that are kind of thin skin, that have those tart skins. You were doing uh, a foie gras for two, a big piece, roasted with those plums mm-hmm. in a pan. Oh yeah, and then the jus from the roasting. Yeah. You know, once the fat was gone, just just the juice of that. Oh, and they got caramelized on the bottom and the fat from the foie gras. Really spectacular. Yeah. yeah that what well, simple, amazing. The other is very complicated. The Hotel Sacker in Vienna. And you I think you've heard me talk about this dish. Mm-hmm. They they made a tort, but a savory tort. But there was there were sweet elements to it because there was definitely feuilletine in there. There's definitely a, a layer of like a pistachio brittle, and there's definitely a layer of an apricot mm. jelly that. Ooh, we haven't was, talked about apricots. That's that's my Yum. that you know I have apricots I have mm-hmm. special relationship with mm-hmm. and nectarines. And you have a special relationship with nectarines. I've seen that happen. 
Um, but but this was this was pheasant, and it was also a mousse made with uh, pheasant livers. Oh my! Wow! Right, mm-hmm. but layered. There were like seven layers to this tort. Oh gosh! And it was sliced like a pie slice, but tall. And a you know a glass of like a fat Austrian Riesling without fifteen years age on it, so dry but super charming, mm-hmm. great acidity. That was a very perfect moment. I don't know that I can. That's amazing. At the amount of work that went into that tort, I cannot get across. That's like the Pithivier that uh, Michel Garrard does, and it has all the squab liver and everything in it along. Oh, my gosh. Similar idea. Oh, and that with fruit would be brilliant. And also, of course, it's it's all presented beautifully. They score the top of the pastry so beautifully, and every bit of it is like one of the most reductive, amazing, intense, like you were just sort of describing with the the pheasant. Did you have an apricot thought? Um, apricots, I, I, you know, immediately just want to make a salad again. You know, maybe it's a chilled scallop salad with apricots on the plate. Um, a little bit of lemon verbena oil, since we were talking about that earlier. Just put the lemon verbena in the blender with a little bit of fresh lime juice and a neutral oil like corn oil and a tiny bit of salt and pepper. Puree the heck out of it and... Um, and uh, sort of drizzle that around on the plate, have the seared uh, scallops. I would cut them in half and lay them out all over the plate and then have slices of apricot everywhere. And you could even make a little apricot puree for the plate as well, which would be really pretty. Um, And you could add a little acid to that or even maybe a little champagne vinegar to the uh, apricot puree to, you know, bring that acid and sweetness together as well and give a little acid because scallops are so rich even though they're not fatty they feel fatty on the palate um that would be another great vehicle for 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 lobster as well uh i think warm apricots with you know butter poached lobster um would be gorgeous oh together. there's a there's a there's a pasta in there with the apricots and the lobster mm-hmm. there's definitely a pasta in what there kind somewhere. of pasta maybe a, a, a noodle i mean a yeah. tagliolini or something Maybe uh, bercetelli or linguini or, you know, just a, a, a thin, thin flat noodle. Well, that's a nice, you know, fruit and pasta. I don't know if how many people think of that, so that's well, good. Well, I mean, I like do they ever think of tomato and pasta? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but most of us don't think of tomatoes as fruit. That's there so is funny. Sweetness, there is sweetness. There is acidity. I mean, apricots don't carry much more sugar than mm. than tomatoes do. And they cook down nicely. I mean, apricot, you know, cook down apricot for a grilled chicken breast or a, a pork now chop. That's, that's the challenge. I may have to make a savory sauce with apricots for pasta. I'm I'm going to have to do that. Okay. I'm going to have to do that. I, I think there's some lamb sauce that needs to go into that pasta. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine... We've done spring, we've done summer fruit, mm-hmm. we've got to get into autumn, and then what in the world to do when winter comes. Winter comes. All right. On Formula Wolf on Fruit on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And it's all about fruit today. It is. And we're headed into autumn fruits, Cindy. What fruit are and autumn so you, fruit? 
Orchard fruit, apples, pears. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Mm, uh, quince. Uh, I wondered because I one have One of the Holy Grail fruit. Oh, this smells so good. I have good. a quince bush in my yard, but it hasn't even started to flower. I was surprised by that. I feel like it usually flowers before now. But, you know, quince is there. Asian pears, a whole different ball game. Right? Yeah. So... Do you have a Holy Grail orchard fruit dish or item that you ever had or made that you can't even that you think about all the time? I love chicken with apples. Yeah, I love. I don't know if I know your chicken with the apples business. It's a Calvados cream sauce. Oh, yeah. So okay. I do peel the apples. I don't think that's very appealing. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So I peel them. <laughs> I take wow. the core out. Humor on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. <laughs> I take the core out and I slice them, uh, I don't know, about a quarter of an inch thick. And um, you don't want them to break down too much in the pan. You want them to have a little crunch, a little snap to them uh, because you are going to make them so, in a sauce. So, so what kind of apple then for the uh, Green dish? apple. This is a green so, apple in so my like mind. So gra- like Granny Smith. Yeah. Granny Smith is perfect, nice and acidic and... Still has a little sugar content. Um, and it's a firm apple, too. So just uh, pan-roasted chicken breast. I'd like to leave the skin on in this case. And um, that pan, you can do it two ways. You can either not leave the skin on and make the pan in the sauce with the chicken breast, or you can leave the skin on, rem- remove the chicken, and deglaze the pan. I'm going to backtrack and do it without the skin so you know how you can make the pan sauce with it in because it will take on a lot more flavor of the chicken if you leave the chicken breast in with it. So once the chicken, um, you've seared it, uh, it's popped it in the oven, it's cooked almost all the way through, then go ahead and deglaze that pan. Well, you can actually throw in a little bit of butter and, and the, the apples, the Granny Smiths that have been peeled and cored, and um, let them run around in the pan for a minute. Add a little bit of shallot, finely chopped. Work that in the pan a little bit, then deglaze with Calvados. And I usually do about almost two ounces per person, um, which is, you know, it's going to flame, it's going to reduce, it's going to evaporate a little bit. So it's really not that much to me in my mind. And then add cream, salt, pepper. And if you have a little bit of chicken reduction, just a little like tiny, like a tablespoon of chicken reduction in there will help to fortify it. And um, I mean, it's super simple and it is just absolutely gorgeous and beautiful and pretty. And, and you know, you can do, I would do a lot of apples. I, I would do, you know, maybe almost a whole apple per person. You know, why why, why not, you know, don't be shy with the apple in this dish. It sounds like a dish for a plump, slightly off dry Alsace wine, like a, oh. like a Pinot Gris. Okay, that would be fun. You know, Pinot Gris always has a little bit of the aroma of apples to begin with. Well, in your talk of pasta before, I totally see buttered noodles on the side of this dish. I think that would be just so much fun to have. Sort of feels German in a way. Yeah, everything. That, if, you, if you change the Calvados into uh, some other kind of uh, or schnapps. That would be fun. That would be fun. You know, then. It could be German. It could, well, Alsatian at the very least. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the shallots are super important too. It just gives that little bit of apples, lift to the apples sauce. Apples and onion family have good connection. Just as a general, it's interesting. There was a, a chicken salad that we made um, that that years ago at, at one of the restaurants. It was an entree salad where there was grilled chicken breast that was then sliced and went into the pan, and there were green apples and and onion and and jalapeno peppers and all kinds of happy 
really zesty things in one shot. And the apple and the onion are always a thing. Two very different kinds of sweetness and two very different kinds of sharpness that, that pulled each other together. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. You know, just as you were talking about that, it made me think of a chicken dish um, that I used to do with rice that had curry in it. And, it, and, and we would finish it with uh, golden raisins. And I was just thinking about, gosh, that, that dish would be so good with peaches or... Um, it actually would be great with peaches or nectarines. We started to talk about a little bit about nectarines in the last segment and didn't actually talk about it. But um, yeah, any of those sort of stone fruit with a dish like that, curry is so good with uh, that type of fruit. But and and it would be good with with apples too. I think in that. It's it's funny. At the same time, I think garlic can work well with apples as well mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just any of those things in the onion family can work. It's just a matter of how you treat them. The the sort of guideline I would say about apples, because you mentioned a green apple, all green apples are not created equally. All red apples are not created equally. They ripen in different spaces of time, and they ripen at different textures and have different characteristics when you choose to cook them. Mm-hmm. So what you want for an eating apple may be different from what you want for cooking. One, bear that in mind. Um, t- some things, like a Honeycrisp, is awfully nice to eat. Oh, gosh. The best. Uh, that's the highest sugar content you can get. Love those things. It's really not hard to figure yeah, everybody out. Everybody in my family loves those things. <laughs> but but that's not that not always a particularly good cooking apple right. if it, if it's for longer cooking. Honeycrisp ripen pretty quickly, and like a lot of things, like the green apples that are coming now, Lodi's and Sansas and and Rambos, those are all they're crunchy, tasty, easy green apples. They're not for long cooking. You got to wait for grannies, and that means, in this part of the country, that means you're looking for October. Okay. You know, maybe middle of October, something like that. What apple do you like for tartata? I don't remember. I mean, it, in a perfect world, you you can make it with grannies. Okay. Mm. Um, but wine saps. That's a red apple. That's a red I'd apple. Yeah, I prefer it's to a make very, it. It's a very. You could use Fuji's. Which are uh, ab- about like yeah, I like Fuji's a lot. Which, which is another one of these rusty colored apples. It's interesting. Some of the late ripening red apples have that rusty sort of color to them, and a lot of those, like wine saps. Uh, I mean, there there are a bunch of others, but they're they're dense. I mean, they're all but like rocks. You have to cook them for a long time, so they do hold their That's texture. That's what you need, yeah. With but yeah, all it, that, that is exactly what you. If you're caramelizing for 90 minutes instead of 40 minutes, yeah, it's a very different product well, that you're going to have the at the end. and the caramel is such a high temperature. You know, you're working at such high heat that that's the other thing. You can't have an apple that's going to break down faster. It just won't work. No, no or with big water You'll be making apple I mean, sauce. That, that's the other thing is like the, <laughs> yeah. the longer it hangs, the less water it's going to have mm-hmm. as that season has changed. And the acid goes up as the nights come along. You know, it, it, it. it just think about it as you go through the season. You want different things for different reasons. If you're making your ta-ta-tam before October, you're making it too soon. Yeah. You know, the other thing I would say about apples, because you, you always see them in stores, there may be apples from other places. It, you're never going to have something as nice as in season where you are before it's ever been stored, because a lot of apples and pears and whatnot are stored. Sure. Nothing is like that. I t- that... If you can actually get a Comis pear that's never been in storage. Mm, so good. And a pe- 
you know I have like a weird thing for pears. I also. love pears too. I'm with you. Just like the, they just get buttery. <laughs> that texture, it, they're they're really there's something very sensual, and I know that we can only talk about that so much on public radio. <laughs> but there's something very sensual about eating a pear that is ripened perfectly. Oh, and that's the thing. I like them when they're really ripe. I mean, just, you know, just when they're soft. And it is such a delicious thing. One of those very decadent French cheeses that you like so much, you know, San Andre or Brillat mm, yeah. or, triple you know, Delice de Bourgogne, one of the triple creme. And a little baguette. Cow's milk. And yep. perfectly ripened pear. Yeah, that's a good snack, you lunch, know, breakfast. And a glass of like rel- <laughs> whatever pretty you want, happy late night young snack. red wine, you know, good <laughs> Bourgeois Village 2019 vintage. Or a little croissant. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. all, all of that, there's your there's your picnic. There's your. I like that you know, kind of picnic. You are well prepared for uh, whoever that new friend is you're going to picnic with. You know, I've made a pear soup that I've served both cold and hot and I'm trying to remember the alcohol that I put in there. And I believe it was Madeira. And I'm sh- I'm sure back in the time that I made this, it, it would have been. It might have been a drier one. Yeah. Um, but I would poach the pears in the Madeira and then add a little bit of fresh lime juice to that liquid and reduce it down, the cooking liquid, to almost a glaze and garnish the top of the soup with that. Puree the pears, um, add a little bit of that cooking liquid before it came down so far as well. But usually the pear has so much juice to it that you don't need too much liquid added to it. But puree the pears and then have that beautiful uh, garnish. And, w- and I would dice pears and add it to the top as well. Um, really beautiful, beautiful soup. But can eat, definitely be eaten hot or cold. And also you could make the same soup with apples. But I just, I love that soup so much with pears. And autumn, it's from, brings to you mind to be ripe. An, an autumn soup, an a-, a soup with apples, cauliflower, it's little bit of yellow onion, cauliflower, you know, oh, sweat and a butter, yes. cauliflower. Cauliflower loves apples. That's good. Cauliflower and a firmish apple. It could be granny's. That, that's that's a, as an all-purpose kind of thing or a crimson crisp or something like that. Um, but something along those lines. A pureed soup. Cauliflower. A little bit of cream soup. to finish. Yes. You know, to reduce with it. A little bit, yeah. And just nutmeg, little nutmeg as a garnish, just mm-hmm. like fresh grated nutmeg. Yeah, on nutmeg that guy is, perfect, is spectacular. Perfect. Yeah, or a little cinnamon, or both. Yeah, backtracking just a tiny bit. I just want to talk about when I said to add the Calvados to the pan. I just want to remind folks that when you're adding alcohol uh, to a pan and it flames, that you want to pull the pan away from the heat source, especially if you have a gas stove. Uh, f- add the alcohol off the stove get the bottle of alcohol out of your hand, put it back on the counter, and then flame, tip the pan and flame it. And you yeah. have to move quickly because it may you're, not flame you're, if you you're don't better, You're better off, instead of pouring right from the bottle, one, you're better off Pour it going into, into a small container. That's fine. So that so the dosing is correct anyway, one. Yeah. And two, just hold the pan in, your, in one hand mm-hmm. off the fire and dump the little dosing into the pan and you could duck it back under ventilation or whatever at that point. Yeah. But that's that's let that and the point, flambe and the, let it burns out. Right. The point is is that the flame could actually catch from the alcohol stream from the pan into the bottle. And then we all know what you have there. So we don't want ever want that to happen. So I just wanted to yeah. make that point. A little bit like please put paper underneath what wet towels underneath your cutting board. 
Just another tip. So your cutting board doesn't slide. Yep. So you don't cut yourself with your knife while you're working. But yeah, so apples, 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 and pears. It's a great time of the year. It's just such a wonderful, crisp. Have you made quince jelly? Uh, yes. Yeah, we did one one year. One of the pastry got, chefs actually made it. Crates at times. Yeah. Um. I mean, just cooking uh, the process of cooking quince is so fascinating. I mean, to, it takes a long time. Um, it's a long, slow cook, especially making preserves, and um, to watch the color come up, it's just it, it, quince is beautiful, and they, the perfume and the air. They smell, while you're, they smell so good oh as they ripen. Yeah. I as soon as they come, I always put a couple just in a big bowl, in in a couple of rooms downstairs in my house just so you can smell them all all like that's nice you know you you get a little bit breeze a little cool breeze from outside and you get that in the air and it is nice to have things laying around like that you know you can have apples and pears doing the same thing it's just so nice to be able to they're washed they're ready to go just grab it it's right there it doesn't need to be in a refrigerator i'm going to jump in with my very simple wintertime tip all those fruits we did not name citrus fruits that mm-hmm. are not strawberries, mm-hmm. and tropical fruits, tropical like mangoes, papayas, all that sort oh, of business. Passion fruit. That's the time. That's the time to be using those fruits. Right. Mm-hmm. When the uh, we use the other things at their peak as best you can. You know, definitely. That, that's, I mean, that's, that's definitely that's the time that's, for those things. That's how we work, and uh, you know, passion fruit is absolutely one of my favorite things in this world. I just, I, I, just the moment, if the pastry chef is working, he, his table is across from mine, prep table, and if he just opens the container, we all just sort of instantly smile. I mean, it's a little bit like working with, and also working with citrus whenever we're squeezing a whole lot of oranges or blood oranges or lemons or limes. I mean, it just, it just is such an uplifting, beautiful smell. And um, passion fruit is, I mean, I, I think pa- it's aptly pa- named pa- because pa- pa- it's just passion fruit is very come hither. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very beautiful. Speaking of passion fruit and other things from that time of the year, favorite recipe for you with either citrus fruit or passion fruit? Yes, I make a carrot puree with just a little bit of passion fruit in in the blender and a little bit of butter, tiny bit of fresh orange juice as well, and salt and pepper. And it makes such a gorgeous puree. It's so velvety in texture, and it's fantastic with lamb, a magre, or any type of duck, any kind of bird, uh, foie gras, if you are working with foie gras at home. And, um, yeah, it's just that that acidic brightness and, you know, sort of over-the-top freshness and everything that just lifts anything that has a lot of fat in it. Really beautiful. Wintertime is also your time for... The citrus desserts that you love, real lemon meringue, mm-hmm. you know, real key lime pie, yeah, that sort of business. Um, and fruit with wine is interesting because it, the fruit doesn't necessarily affect it in any strong way, except you got to pay attention to the acid level and the sugar content. Sure. If it's strongly tart, it's you're going to need more acid in the wine that you choose. If it's strongly sweet, <laughs> if it's really strong and noticeable, you're going to want something that is that is fruitier that can kind of keep pace with that. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. You're you're going to like this piece of advice. You, if, it, this, if the dish is a good bit about fruit, chances are champagne is probably going to work with the dish. Makes sense to me. Because that is the original like fruit tart. Got it. You know beverage. All right. So. On that good note, that's all we have time for on Pumpernal Wolf on Food and Wine. 
If you'd like to download this or any other one of our episodes, please look for podcasts on the WIPR website, WIPR.org. Look for the Former Wolf page, and there's a full menu of goodies there. If you want to email correspond with us, it's formanwolf at WIPR.org. To follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Cindy Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And thanks for listening. Happy Sunday.